You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Revelation 16 in your Bibles, it says in verse number one, I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, go your ways and pour out the vials or the bowls of the wrath of God upon the earth. Now, we knew this was coming because we saw last week in Revelation uh, 15, we saw that the, the momentum was building. We, we've been through the seven uh, seal judgments. We, we've, we haven't been through them, but in Revelation, in our study, we've been through them. Uh, we've seen the seven uh, seal judgments, seven trumpet judgments, and now the final seven judgments will be the vials or the bowls of God's wrath that are poured out upon this earth. And we saw last week in verse 8 where the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. And we get to chapter 16, and that is exactly what happens. God's wrath is poured out. His, his, his judgment is unleashed upon this world. Now, I'm thankful to tell you tonight that we are still experiencing the mercy of God. And I'm glad that God's invitation is still open, that whosoever will may come. I'm glad that God's mercy has been extended. I'm glad that God's grace, aren't you glad it reached down to you? I'm glad it reached down to me. I'm glad that God is in the saving business. And during the tribulation, God will still be saving souls. Remember those two witnesses that will be preaching. And then there's the 144,000 Jewish witnesses that will be preaching the gospel. Uh, They will be saved during the tribulation. And they'll be preaching so that others can be saved. There will be many martyrs during the tribulation that do not receive the mark of the beast. And they'll be martyred because they uh, put their faith and trust in Christ and they refuse the mark of the beast. And so people will still get saved during the tribulation. God's mercy is still extended. But when we get to these bold judgments, we see the the final wrath of God, the, the full wrath of God being poured out upon a world that has rejected him. God gives us in Revelation 16 a description of exactly what he is going to do and exactly what he expects us or what he expects people to do. When I was in college, and I, I, I'm sure I've, I've told this story before, maybe, in another, uh, maybe from another angle, but when I was in college, I had a professor. And he was a good man, uh, loved the Lord. He was a very, very uh, a faithful man for many years. But I don't know if he had not done a lot of classes. I don't know if he had not taught a lot of classes. I know he preached and taught Sunday school and all that for years and years. But we came into the college classroom and he began to tell us what he expected of us for that semester. And I'll never forget the first test that he gave us. I kid you not, I, I, I was sure, I was convinced that I was in the wrong class. Have you ever had a test like that where you thought, 
I don't think this is the right test because this does not look familiar. Anybody like that? You know what I'm talking about? I know we're going back a ways to uh, high school and college years. Brother Chuck, well, thank you, brother. You and me. Now, now I had somewhere I just didn't study and I felt like I wasn't in the class. Okay, there we go. Um, but this one, I felt like I had studied. I felt like I'd gone over the notes. And uh, Brother Dan, you had this teacher, I know. And Joanna, you had this teacher. Uh, I, know, I know we've talked about it. But I remember this particular class, we had no clue what to expect. And I don't know, I don't, maybe it was our fault, maybe it was the teacher's fault, but we had no earthly idea. When that test came and the teacher's asking questions and I'm thinking, I've sat in every class, I've taken notes, I've studied with people that have taken notes, and none of us had a clue. It was craziness. That was not... Uh, uh, an exciting uh, time or place to be when you did not know what was expected of you. But can I tell you, God has already given us in his word, he's given us the book of Revelation and he tells us exactly what he's going to do. He tells us every judgment that's going to be poured out. He tells us what we need to do and what we need to know. The Bible says in the book of Micah, uh, what doth the Lord require of thee? Uh, the Bible tells us what God requires. The Bible tells us what we have to do to be saved. The Bible makes it so, so clear. And I am so glad that we don't have to go through life wondering and guessing. We don't have to go through life saying, oh no, I hope God's gonna be happy with me. No, you know how you know God, God will be happy with you? When you've done what he's told you to do in his word. We've been given the Bible so we know what to expect, right? We, we have the Holy Spirit. If you've been saved, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you and the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you and directs you into all truth. I'm glad we have a church. Isn't that a blessing? Can I tell you what the church is good for? It's good for a lot of things. It's, it's God's idea. But the church is where we can come and we can hear preaching and teaching and instruction on how to live for God in a very godless and a perverse world. I'm glad that we have church. I'm glad we have Sunday school. I'm glad we have Wednesday night Bible study. I'm glad we have revivals. I'm glad we have uh, Christian books and, and we have a radio station and we have devotionals and, and we've got all of these tools to help us so that we know what to expect. You and I will not stand before the judgment seat of Christ and claim we did not know what God expected of us because God has given us his expectations. He has given us his requirements. We have been given the syllabus, right? We have been given the course requirements in his word. And so here in Revelation 16, God spells out exactly what he will do during the tribulation period. I want you to notice verse number one. I see there is a voice out of the temple, chapter 16, verse one. Well, we saw that same voice in chapter 15, verse eight. And we said that is the voice of God himself. God is speaking from the temple and he's commanding the angels who have those seven bowls, those seven vials. He's commanding them to start in the execution of those seven judgments. There's a voice, the voice of God coming from the temple. I, I realize that this is future. The tribulation has not happened yet. Uh, the rapture has not happened yet. Uh, but I understand this is future, but I want to tell you, that God is still speaking right now. God is still speaking today. 
God has been speaking uh, from Genesis 1. In the beginning, uh, God said, let there be light. And there was light. God has been speaking from Genesis. He'll be speaking all the way through Revelation. And he will be speaking for all of eternity. I know that God is speaking. There's not a problem with that. But I do think there's a problem with us listening. You see, God's got a message for us tonight. God's got a message for you. God's got something for you to hear and for me to hear, but so many times we're not listening. And it's not because our ears are bad. It's because our attention is so distracted. Have you ever been listening to someone and they told you something and you heard the words, but you just didn't really process it? You just didn't really allow it to kind of settle in and make the application. Well, I'm afraid sometimes, I'm afraid we come to church or we open the Bible in our devotions or we go to a Sunday school class and sometimes it's just noise. Friend, I don't want the Bible to just be noise. I want, I want the Bible to be real and I want the voice of God to speak and I want to listen and I want to respond. And God was speaking in Revelation 16, verse number one. Lord, help us, we pray in these few moments. We need you to speak tonight. I need you to speak. Lord, I'm going to do my best to, to, to share these truths and to share this message. But I pray, God, that you would speak to every heart. Give us what we need. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, I see in this passage, verse number two, I see the first vial of judgment is poured out. The Bible says this first vial is poured out in verse number two. And it says there fell a noisome or a loathsome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. So this is not a judgment that is poured out on everyone. This is a judgment that is poured out specifically on those that have rejected God, those that have the mark of the beast. The Bible tells us that these sores will be so painful, they will be so grievous, uh, and they will torment these people on the earth that have rejected God. Now, we don't know exactly what these sores are. Uh, maybe similar to the boils described in the book of Job. Remember that story, that account? Job had, was so covered with those, those uh, sores that literally he was scraping them. Uh, scraping them off of his body, just trying to get some kind of relief. And we know during the tribulation period that men will wish to die and not be able to die because of the intense judgment of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Exodus chapter 9 that the sixth plague in Egypt was sores or boils that were upon the Egyptians. Just like in Revelation 9, Verses 20 through 21, during the trumpet judgments, we see that these people will still not repent. It is possible that the entire population of the world will be suffering from pain that cannot be cured. Yet, during this tribulation, people will still reject the mercy of God. Number one, the first vial is the grave of source. Number two, the second vial is poured out. Verse number three. And the Bible says that when this vial is poured out, it is poured upon the sea. And the sea became as the blood of a dead man and every living soul died in the sea. Here the water of the oceans, the waters of the seas, it is all turned to blood. Now, can you even fathom that? 
I, I mean, I can't, I can't fathom Roanoke Rapids Lake being all blood. I can't, I can't imagine Lake Gaston being all blood. But can you imagine the oceans that are nothing but blood? And of course, anything in the, those oceans or anything in those seas that was alive before, it will be dead because of this. But we see this is similar to the second trumpet judgment when one third of the sea became blood. Now the rest becomes blood. These uh, second and third vile judgments are similar to the first plague in Egypt. Remember when the water from, in Egypt was turned to blood with those plagues. We see this as God's judgment. And he, he's pouring out his judgment, his wrath upon this world. Uh, number three, the third vial. It says in verse number four, And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. Verse five, And I heard the angel of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. The third vial is now not just the waters of the oceans and the seas, but now the water of all of the rivers is turned to blood. And you say, why is the water turned to blood? What is the purpose of this? What is the point of this? Well, the Bible says, because these people have shed the blood of the Christians, they are being punished in the same way. Now think about this. In, in, in our life, in our society, the punishment does not always fit the crime, right? And, and that's just because things are not always fair. Things are not always the way that they should be. But God always judges fair. As a matter of fact, it's, it's emphasized here that these people are worthy of the punishment that God gives them because thou hast judged thus and thou art righteous. This morning or this afternoon, I guess it was in the, on our winning side broadcast, we we're talking about the fact that God's judgments, God deci God's decisions are right. God's never made a mistake. Now, sometimes we think so, right? Because God didn't do something exactly the way we think he should, but God's never made an error. God's never made a bad decision. God's never made a decision that was not 100% perfect. God is right. And so he judges these people now by the water being turned to blood. The punishment fits the crime. Do you remember back in the book of Exodus when Pharaoh tried to drown all of the Jewish baby boys. Do you remember that? Remember that passage there? That's how uh, it was a miracle that Moses was saved. It was a miracle that Moses was spared. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter found this baby that had been uh, put into that, that basket there, that, that, that uh, little ark that had been made. And that was a miracle. Well, what happened to Pharaoh and his armies when they tried to pursue the children of Israel through that Red Sea? They drowned. Isn't that interesting? that Pharaoh had commanded for the babies to be drowned, and then Pharaoh and his men were, they themselves were drowned. Remember the story in the book of Esther about Haman? Haman decided he was going to kill Mordecai, right? And so he said, oh, we're going to kill him, and we're going to make, make this a public execution. So he built those gallows so high in the sky that you'd be able to see it from a long ways away. He built those gallows... For Mordecai. But who was it that 
hung on those gallows. It was not Mordecai. No, it was Haman. You're exactly right. He was hung on the gallows that he had built for someone else. The punishment here of the, the water turned to blood, it fits the crime. God says, you've shed the blood. Now I'm going to have your water turn to blood. Number four, the fourth vial. The Bible says in Revelation 16, it says that there was in verse number eight, the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. Now, there's been speculation, and the Bible doesn't say, we don't know for sure. But maybe it is that the ozone is completely wiped out. I'm not talking about because you use too much aerosol, you know, spray cans. I'm talking about that perhaps the ozone's wiped out, that, that the people of this earth will be burned. They will be scorched by the sun during this tribulation period. The Bible says in verse 9, and men were scorched with great heat. But notice this, and they blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. Can you imagine this? After all of this judgment, and yet people are still blaspheming, they are still speaking evil of, they are still railing against God, and they refuse to repent. What a sad commentary to think that yet, in, after all of this, these people still will not turn to God. Number uh, five, in verse number 10, it says, the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, meaning this was an area near to where the uh, Antichrist, where, where his headquarters was. And this uh, vial was poured out that his kingdom was full of darkness. And the Bible says they gnawed their tongues for pain. Can you imagine being in so much pain that literally you're, you're, you're biting through your tongue? This is the torment that these people will experience uh, during the tribulation period. But yet the Bible says they still refuse to repent. It's interesting that the, the area is sub subjected to darkness. Can I tell you, that's what sin brings. Sin brings darkness. When you reject the light of the world, you are condemning yourself to live in a state of darkness where you cannot see and where you are blind to that which is true. The Bible says, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. The sixth vial is poured out. And the Bible says in this sixth vial, verse 12, it is poured out upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. So as this vial is poured out, it's interesting that the Euphrates River is dried up. Now, I don't have a map to show you, but the Euphrates River is, is, is way, way to the east of what is currently Israel. The Euphrates River, I mean, that runs, we're talking way over in through uh, Iraq and, and Syria and, and those countries. But yet that river is dried up. You say, well, well, what does that mean? Well, in the book of Genesis, the Euphrates River was one of the borders that God gave to the nation of Israel. And, and a river uh, and, and mountains that are, are surrounding Israel, those are natural protections. Those, those keep people from coming in. Well, that river's going to be dried up and the armies from the east will be able to march straight through, straight across into the nation of Israel where they will assemble here in Revelation 
uh, 16, where they will assemble for a very infamous battle. It's called the Battle of Armageddon. And so this is key because that river is dried up and that makes it easy for these soldiers to march on foot. Millions of soldiers will converge on the Valley of Armageddon. Now you say, Pastor, why in the world will they not be using nuclear weapons? And maybe they will, maybe they won't. Why are they on foot? Why are they riding horses when they've got tanks and they've got uh, uh, fighter jets and helicopters and technology? I don't know, but after all of these plagues, some of that technology may not even be used. It, it may be out of whack. It may have been already out of commission. I don't know. But I know this, that God is preparing a way for all of those armies to march so that the battle of Armageddon uh, can take place. And he is literally, he is setting the stage for the battlefield. Now notice this, God's the one that dries up that river. But verse 13, it says that I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. You say, what in the world do frogs have to do with uh, coming out of the mouth of the dragon? Well, a frog is a very unclean animal, of course, slimy. Uh, I don't think many of us are putting frogs in our mouth and, you know, uh, doing that. Unless it's, unless it's cooked, maybe, maybe frog legs, but not, not a live frog. But these spirits are like frogs. They come out of the mouth of the dragon, that's Satan. And out of the mouth of the beast, that's the Antichrist. And out of the mouth of the false prophet, that's the religious leader, the, 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 the false trinity, uh, the unholy trinity that Satan has put together. It says in verse 14, for they are the spirits of devils. These are the spirits of demons that are working miracles and here's what they do. They go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Now, hang on. God has dried up the river Euphrates so all those armies are able to march across from the east and be able to converge there in the valley of Armageddon. Then Satan and the beast and the false prophet, here's what they do they start working miracles and they start leading kings, leaders, and they start convincing them, this is a good idea. You need to come and join us because we're getting ready for a battle that we're gonna win. Well, I got news for you. They're not gonna win this battle. But how many of you know that Satan always has been and always will be a liar and Satan will deceive, and Satan will lie, and he will cheat, and he will steal, and he'll tell you anything he has to tell you to convince you to go against God. And so Satan, with these evil spirits and these demons, he is convincing the kings of the earth and saying, hey, let's bring everybody together and let's fight against Israel. You say, why is Satan fighting against Israel? because he's already been kicked out of heaven now twice. <laughs> well, once uh, back uh, uh, in uh, Isaiah, we see where he was kicked out of heaven. Then he was kicked out of heaven in Revelation. And so now he's on the earth. He can't touch God. So he's going against God's people. And he is ready to launch an assault against Israel with the nations of the world that have gathered together. 
the Antichrist has broken his treaty. Remember we said he'll have a seven-year peace treaty with Israel. And halfway through the, the, the seven years, he will break that treaty and he'll turn on Israel. And so now he is gathering everyone together for this battle. Verse number 15, I love this. Do you have a red-letter Bible? Do you see verse number 15? Is that in red? You know why? Because in the midst of all this, Jesus gives a reminder and he says... You better watch out. I'm coming. You better be ready. Hey, Antichrist and, and false prophet and Satan, you can gather all your armies together all you want to, but you are not going to stand in my way. I am coming, and you better be ready. I come as a thief. Unexpected. When, when you least expect it, and Jesus is coming. Can I tell you, in Revelation 16, they don't expect it. They're gathering everybody together for this big battle against Israel. They think they're going to win. And we find out they are not going to win this battle. The Bible says in verse 15, Behold, I come as a thief. This is not the rapture. The rapture will have already taken place at this time. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up together. When Jesus comes at the rapture, he comes in the clouds. But when he comes here in Revelation, he comes to rule and to reign and to conquer. And he's coming. Let me tell you, friend, Jesus is coming. He is coming. And it could be today that the rapture takes place. It could be today that the time clock begins of the seven years of tribulation. But he's coming and you better be ready. The Bible tells us in verse number 16. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. I don't know, Brother uh, Tommy, I don't know if you, do you guys have a picture up there? Did anybody leave a, is there a, do you have a picture up there, brother? You don't have a picture up there? Okay, well, we won't show the picture if you don't have it. It's kind of like me telling all of our ladies that you've heard Loretta Walker speak. But there's a picture somewhere, it's not up there, but there's a picture somewhere, I'll show it to you another time. But here's what we see. This valley of Megiddo, it's, it's referred to as Armageddon. It's an area that is 14 miles wide. It's about 20, 20 miles long. And it is a, a place that, from the picture, you can see that it is just a massive valley. It is just a massive area where Napoleon said of this valley, he said, it is the most natural battlefield of the whole earth. You know why? Because it's right there where Israel has been fighting and defending for so many years. And it's at that place that God has prophesied that that final battle will take place. Notice with me, if you would, verse number uh, 17. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. What does that sound like to you? And the voice from the temple, that's the voice of God. But what does that, that phrase sound like to you? It is done. Kind of sounds like what Jesus said on the cross, doesn't it? It is finished. It is done. It is completed. And on the cross, Jesus completed the work of redemption. And here in Revelation 16, that final judgment, that final vial is poured out. And God says, it is done. It is complete. And here's the amazing thing. 
When God pours out bowls, when God pours out wrath, when God pours out judgment, he never pours too much. He never pours too little. He pours out exactly the right amount, and he says, it is done. Verse 18, there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. Now, we have seen... Um, evidence and we've seen photos and we've seen pictures of earthquakes in the last hundred years or so that have been devastating but look at how great this earthquake is verse 19 the bible says in the great city that is jerusalem it was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell now it doesn't say for sure that all of them fell but there must have been a lot of them can you imagine cities being leveled by this earthquake, because they will be leveled. You say, how do you know? Well, notice what it says in uh, verse number 20. It says, then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. After this earthquake, there will be no more islands, and every mountain is going to be leveled. I'd say that's a powerful earthquake. I'd say that is an earthquake that has a magnitude that has never been registered on any Richter scale. This is an earthquake. This is the final judgment of God's wrath. Verse number 19, it says, In great Babylon, that is the world system, came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Verse 21, And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone upon the weight of a talent, a talent is about a hundred pounds. Can you imagine hailstones that are a hundred pounds falling from the sky? I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about hailstones that are going to destroy buildings, that are going to destroy uh, houses, that are going to destroy everything and anything in their path. And this is the wrath of God being poured out. And the Bible says... And men blaspheme God. They still blaspheme God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. We see in this final judgment, the seven vile judgments, we see the wrath of God is poured out upon this world. Now I'll give you a few closing thoughts and I'm done. And I, I purpose, I, I know we went fast, but I wanted to get through this because I wanted to get to this point because I want to tell you how all of this ties together for us today. Number one, I want to say, you may not understand it, and I may not understand it, but God is always right. I think you could read these judgments and say, there's no way. There's no way. Boy, that's so extreme. And oh, how could God do that and all this? Well, I got news for you. Whether you agree with it or not doesn't matter. Whether I agree with it or not does not matter. God is always right. Number two. Here's a closing thought, a closing takeaway from this uh, uh, book, of uh, chapter Revelation. Number two, God gives opportunities for people to repent. All throughout these seven vile judgments, the Bible says they still blasphemed. They still repented not. You know what that tells me? They had the choice. They could repent or they could get mad. And friend, I want to tell you, when you experience the judgment of God, you've got the same choice. You can repent, you can get right with God, or you can get mad. But you're not going to win. You're not going to fight against God and come out on top. 
That's why it's so important just to say, God, I'm sorry. God, I was wrong. God, forgive me. God, I'm sorry for what I've done. God, I need you to help me. I need your mercy. I need your help. But we see God gives opportunities to repent. After all this, the people would still not repent. Instead, they blasphemed God. I don't think we have anybody in here that is blaspheming God with our words. I hope not. I don't think you'd be here on a Wednesday night if you were blaspheming God. But I'll say this, I don't want my words to blaspheme God, but I don't want my life to blaspheme God. I don't want my life to be lived as a, a life that is against God or a life that is counterproductive or a, a life that is hurting God. I want my life to be lived to please Him. Number three, I want to remind you what we see in Revelation 16 is that God always does exactly what he says God always does exactly what he says if God said it he's going to do it if God made a promise he's going to keep it now on this side of things in Revelation 16 that's scary but let's flip to the other side how about not the judgments but how about the promises aren't you glad that God always keeps his promises aren't you glad that God's never made a promise he couldn't keep he's never made a promise that he will not keep God always does exactly what he says he will do so hang on keep trusting him keep your eyes on him because he always keeps his word and then I like this and I'll be done number four he always finishes what he starts seven vile judgments Guess what? They'll all seven be poured out. It'll all be complete. When it's done, it will be absolutely 100% finished. And God's going to finish what he started in you too. And God's going to finish what he started in me. And let me remind you, God's not done with me yet. And I know God's not done with you yet. You say, how do you know? Because I'm still breathing. Because I'm still here. And God has not finished with me yet. He's still working on me. And so let's be patient with one another. Like we would want others to be patient with us. And let's remember that as God says in Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is not done yet, but he will finish what he started my challenge the application i guess for us with that point is this how about us are we going to finish what we started we started serving god we started running the race of, of of ministry you started teaching a sunday school class you started singing in a choir you started reading your bible you started praying you started soul winning you started giving you started in those things and i thank god that you started but can i tell you i don't want to just start something I want to finish. Paul said it like this. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Let's keep on keeping on. Let's finish what we start with. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org.
May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.